0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus Age Various By Jurisdiction Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to the second edition of Draft Talk. I'm Justice Mosqueda. Um you know, for Acme Packing Company. I always forget to say for Acme Packing Company at the beginning. Yeah,
2: you're terrible at plugging the website, man. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> I know. I just assume you figured a way how to get this onto your, you know, little podcast feed or any, uh, or something, Sorry. or you got on the website and, and played the little player. So I figure you're familiar with us, but plug, 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 APC. I got to send them.
2: I got to send them to my grandpa manually. So like he might need the help on getting plugs for Acme Packing Company
1: uh he's not like the uh the little feeds the rss feeds he, he, he's not up to he it he doesn't understand the man i just gotta i just gotta send him the links via text and they figure it's out from there that is the voice of tyler brooke um he's joining me um we're, we're we're talking about wide receivers for the most part i would say in uh this episode but first i want to touch on some of the comments to uh you know the first draft talk that we had one guy star love and i don't know how it's it's pretty hard to judge like commenters versus like consensus thought of the fan base right um so not not to you know make too much of this but he says i admit i didn't bother listening when it mentioned trading love for a second round pick below the title The hate for love at apc is astounding i don't i don't know if that's even true like i i know there's a lot of people that are just like wait and see you know Love can become something and I'm sure there's a world where love can develop into something else. I I don't know if that world is sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, you know, not, not getting those reps, not getting, you know, those, those game snaps. I mean, look at what they had two years with love. They went into that Kansas city game and it seemed like they didn't know what quarterback they even had, right? Like they made adjustments in the second half, but if they were planning on him being that quarterback after two years and now they're pivoting. I don't know. Like I, how, how much hate can we really give toward love? It seems like a blown pick at this point, doesn't it? I mean, I know Ben Albright who covers uh, the Denver Broncos and radio, uh, you know, in Denver, he's been one of the people that's, you know, talked up uh, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, you know, early and often uh, over the last two years, he was saying, you know, they they probably can't even get like a, a fourth fifth round pick for love at this point, the, the way that they're talking about him, he's on a shorter contract. He is going to get paid. Um if a team does decide to pick up that fifth year option and only explodes like what his salary is, so I don't really even know if there is a trade market for Love higher than a second round pick. Frankly, like in an ideal hey, world, the
2: way I'm thinking about it, you know, if he you can't get a fourth or fifth round pick of him, you're giving him a compliment saying that they should trade a day two pick for him, right? Like that's that's what you think of him as far as value compared to the average person. So well, that's a spin zone for you. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the the big thing to me is like. I really do think that we are no longer looking at players in isolation in terms of their talent only at the NFL level. Once they're veterans, it is all about their contracts in the same way that like yeah. kind of the NBA is Jordan Love is on a two-year contract. Now he, he was drafted on a four-year contract. So you figure at the very least, he hasn't necessarily beaten the projections that were out there for him. So he should be worth about 50% of, of what he went for, which if, A second round pick. That's about where that is. Anything less than a second round pick is he hasn't met expectations and anything above that is he's beating them. And I don't think he's beating the expectations at this point.
2: There's one team I think about constantly. Maybe it's just because I live here, but I think the Indianapolis Colts would actually make a lot of sense in a trade for Jordan Love. Uh, You know, there's obviously rumors about the Carson Wentz. They're going to move on from him. But with the Jim is just and, tweeting
1: just random lines from like songs. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yes, what's exactly. happening here? He's apologizing yeah, to the Jim. fan base. I, I like the <laughs> apologizing to the fan base. He's like, we will do whatever we need to do to get better at the quarterback position. And they're like, are you going to trade or release Carson Wentz? He's like, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. My, I mean, my thought process here is like,
2: you know, let's say I totally get it. If you don't want to justify the massive cap hit, it takes some cutting Wentz. If you want to at least give him some competition, because Sam Ellinger is not going to compete with him for the starting role, you can theoretically trade it. It's probably not going to be a day two pick. You could probably trade a day three pick for Jordan Love, uh, and then somehow start having a camp battle. It's a wild thought to think about because Wentz is established, but you know, it could put some fire under Wentz. You can pull the plug if it's a failure right at the beginning again, uh, and then see what Jordan Love can do. Just a thought because you know. Any other option they have realistically is not going to work out this year. You're either going to stick with Wentz, you're going to draft a later quarterback in the second round, or you're going to try and make a trade for like Jimmy Garoppolo. Just none of these options seem feasible to me. So I'd be interested. That's that's one team when I'm thinking about if Jordan Love gets traded, which doesn't sound like they have any interest in, but the Colts would be interesting today. Anyway.
1: Yeah, it's worth mentioning. Uh, Brian Gutikans, we're recording this on I guess Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon for me, Wednesday night for you. Um, this will probably already dark
2: out over here.
1: Yeah, we'll probably publish this on a Friday. But Brian Gudekunst today, earlier on Wednesday, um, had his you know pre-combine you know meeting with the press. Uh, one of the questions he was asked was about Jordan Love. He basically said, like, this isn't the time that like teams would even be calling for a trade for Jordan Love. So it sounds like if that's gonna happen, it'd be like a post-combine type of situation, like in between the combine and the draft, not necessarily before the combine, but he also said. I'd be very doubtful that I would take any of those calls to begin with. So it sounds like love. They're comfortable with him being the backup here. I mean, it's he got he gave he was asked plenty of times, you know, whether he wanted you know Aaron Rodgers in the building or not moving forward, and he never said like we're moving past Aaron. So it doesn't sound like they're they're tired of this song and dance. You know, Aaron didn't uh, make a decision on Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show when he joined them. Um, he did he did mention some other stuff though. I did you see? Uh, the uh, whole detox thing that he was going through.
2: Yeah, I the first thought that came to my head when I heard about what it was was the, uh, that gif of Nicholas Cage and Con Air when he steps into the uh, <laughs> the fresh air for the first time, just smiling, long hair flowing in the wind. Um, that seems to be kind of the vibe that Aaron Rodgers is getting off. You know, he's very grateful. He's very grateful about a lot of things.
1: Grateful, likes to likes to mention gratitude. Likes to mention that people are uh, fearful of COVID which is just a weird way to frame of like, you know, like a million people have died. Um, oh, what a what a note to, to leave off of. Um, I will say I, I'm trying to figure out with the SB Nation NFL show that I host with, uh, you know, we do the Wednesday show with Steven Serta and, and Kyle Posey who's uh, they've both been on this network actually, you know, pre, uh, for the previews for the Kansas city chiefs game and both of the Niners games. Um, we're trying to figure out if we can, like, raise money and do the uh, Karma thing. I'm willing oh, to do no. it. I'm willing to do it. The problem is I was doing research on it. One, there's a place, like, seven blocks away from me that'll do it. So, like, we're talking walking distance. Like, this is, this oh, is no. not an issue. Yeah, you point- need an expert for it, right? Like you need to make sure there's like an expert in this to be with Buddy, you as you do I it. I am not flushing my innards without there being a medical professional somewhere. <laughs> without supervision, we we are at the point now where we are we are one trying to figure out if insurance covers it. If it doesn't, how can we get funding for this on the on the front end from the company? And then the the third thing, and I don't know how he did this in twelve days. The research that we've done, you know, we're doing hashtag independent research over here. It says it's like a 30 day thing. Like, you got to flush yourself for like 30 days. 30 days is a long commitment. I don't know if I could do that. It, you have to
2: do an interview immediately after you finish it, just like Rogers, though, just to see how that goes. I'm going to be uh, doing interviews
1: g- during it. Like,
2: oh, no. If
1: it's 30 days, like, I can't, I'm not taking 30 days off. Like, you'll be hearing from me. He was saying that he was, uh, he was mid-detox like uh, when he was doing the NFL honors thing, when he was in the corduroy vest or the, the corduroy suit.
2: Yeah, it seems like his fashion choices were kind of clouded by something, so that makes a lot of sense. I've done a five-day juice cleanse before I did it, right before the NFL season because I knew I was going to eat like shit you know, for the rest of the year. Um, I don't think that can compete with eating butter and putting it in your nose and things coming out of places for the, 30 days. The
1: nose is the easiest part
2: because it's like yeah. the nose – unless it the, smells terrible then that's a real puking,
1: the puking doesn't seem fun the uh the other end the other end doesn't seem fun then they flush you from like the inside and then there's like an optional bloodletting uh part of it i'm not doing the bloodletting i'm telling you right now i'm not doing the bloodletting but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll keep uh you guys tuned in too if we could do it and we can raise some money for for some people i'll, I'll do it i'll do it for a laugh like why not it's the only only time I'll probably ever do it in my life. There were also people that were like, "Why aren't you guys talking about later round quarterbacks?" Um, you know, we spent most of the first draft oh, no. talk talking about you know guys who are talked about you know at the top end of the draft. I, I do think we kind of did talk about the later round quarterbacks. The problem is like they're getting pushed up the draft board in the first place. The other thing I'll say is like, if we believe Gutekunst that like he's not going to trade Love, if we think Rodgers is coming back, which Temperature check, five check. Do we think Rogers is coming back? It's down to a six and a half from a seven and a half. I'm, I'm still up there. I, I just, I can't imagine him retiring at this point. I feel like he would have retired already if it would have been a pretty quick decision. So I knew this was going to be a trap of talking about quarterbacks again for another week. I, knew, oh, I, knew, I know. I, I know. Look, listen, we're, we're getting out of it quick. We're getting out of it quick.
2: But Carson Strong is the only one we should probably talk about. Uh, I haven't watched anyone else. I know Bailey Zappi is a guy that you need to watch at some point, apparently. But uh, I have not watched any other QBs after I watched these guys because it just kind of – it was hard.
1: It was hard to watch him. Yeah, and Strong, Strong is a guy that I talked to my buddy Nate Tice about, and I was telling you this pre-show. His, his last name is doing a lot for his draft stock. I think everyone is just saying his
2: full name is great. It's a great name.
1: Everyone's just saying Carson strong, strong arm. And I'm like, I don't know if he has a strong arm. He just seems like an air raid quarterback to me. And like, that's probably a guy you can get as like a UDFA. So like, I don't think that there's many quarterbacks in this draft class in general. And if they're going to be keeping Jordan love, I can't really see him in the quarterback market. And I know that's a bummer for Packers fans to hear that. Like love might just be a backup, but like, if you're not going to trade him, like, there's no other options. Like this, this is what's going to happen if, if Rogers comes back. So I don't know that there's uh, Tyler is obviously very tired of uh, talking about these quarterbacks. So he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to hear about it at all. Um, I don't get to talk about fullbacks cause they don't
2: exist anymore. And then I have to talk about the shitty quarterback class that is really, like you said, I mean, I think I have one or two guys in the top 40. It's just, and they're in the thirties. It's not a, it's not a great class, which really stinks on the bright side we're gonna get some
1: awesome awesome quarterbacks uh i think next year did you see the miami dolphins sign a fullback like first thing that they did with uh you know under mike mcdaniel john lovett uh former green bay Packers. okay all right yeah there we go that that was that was the weird one to me because that seems very much like uh when i write the book on my success I'll I'll have that anecdote of, and the first thing we did was sign a fullback, you know, like type of thing <laughs> with Mike McDaniel coming off of Miami running, uh, you know, their deep game RPO stuff, which like no one else does in the NFL right now. Um, so that's going to be an interesting situation to watch just nationally. I know we're going a little off topic here, but like Tua being in that like actual Shanahan, uh, McVay, you know, Lafleur, whatever you want to call it. It's really just like Kubiak, type of like old old mike shanahan kubiak type of uh tree them going back to like fullback stuff and and getting two out of the rpo stuff i think bodes well for the program but does not bode well for Tua a of
2: yeah i mean how often did he spend under center in miami so far in his career
1: hardly ever and he basically yep. didn't do it at alabama i mean that's not really what they were yep. doing with those guys so i don't know i tell you what when they were under center they weren't using a fullback i, I could tell you that right now um a couple other things
2: Actually, i can't believe i actually okay. don't know if there are any fullbacks i haven't watched any fullbacks in this draft class yet which makes me a little sad i already had uh my cousin because he's playing football in like fourth grade and he was just like what position did you play growing up and i said fullback and he went what's that and that
1: that one hurt man that hurt I know uh uh eric galco my former boss at the xfl he's running shrine game now and they had some kid from uh northern illinois who's like a move tight end fullback type of guy and he was like yeah he's like he's gonna be like the DeGuara in in this class that like gets drafted high and everyone's gonna be like yep top fullback off the board and stuff like that so maybe he's a guy for you to watch um just talking about write that down (laughs) yeah jot it down add it to add it to the watch list um some packers notes just on the front end uh before we get into this draft, um, Packers restructured Kenny Clark's deal. Pretty big deal. They pushed $10 million of cap space down the line. Um, they signed a kicker, uh, Dominic Eberly I believe is how you say his name. His nickname is Das Boot. He was born in uh, in Germany. So like maybe he maybe he plays for the Packers. And uh, when the Packers play in, in Munich or something in 2022 or 2024, uh, he, get, he gets to go back or something. He had, He had previously worked with, Rich Basachi, I I crunched the numbers for the 2022 draft class. Um there's basically three kickers to look for. Cade York from LSU, Gabe Bursick, I think is how you say his name, Berkitch. from Oklahoma. Burkich. And then uh Caleb Shadak um from Iowa. And and those guys are all pretty solid. York and Bursick How do you say it? Burkich. Burkich. I just it's run a the very numbers.
2: fun name to say.
1: It's it's a lot of consonants. Yes. It freaks me out. Um, Both of those guys are invited to the combine. The Iowa kid was not invited to the combine. So he's probably more like a UDFA type, but Everly probably would have been like the fourth best uh, kicker in the 2022 draft class. If we were evaluating him based off of, you know, his numbers coming out of college, he was a record setter at Utah state, you know, had played with uh, Jordan love at the same time. So It's not like he's nothing, you know, they said earlier that like, uh, again, going back to the good stuff that like Mason Crosby is being looked at as like a championship level kicker and playoff winning teams or or Super Bowl winning teams have that championship level kicker Um, doesn't sound like they necessarily like, it won't be one of the first moves that they make to, to release Mason Crosby. So at this point they are holding three kickers between Everly Crosby and JJ Molson, who, you know, was on the practice squad the entire year. Was a protected player, which you would think uh, holds some value, but at the same time, it's like, well, if a kicker went down, they had to use someone, and you know, COVID was swirling around, so guys were missing games all the time. You know, it, it was actually kind of surprising. Molson didn't get in in, in some action. Like Everly was able to get in action this past year as a COVID replacement for the Houston Texans. So it'll be interesting to see how all that stuff shakes out.
2: My concern with Crosby is the kickoffs. Like, do you hope that you find a punter that can do kickoffs? Because, I mean, his leg is gone. He can't. Well, that's what they
1: had Molson do. Like, Molson in the preseason basically didn't place kick. Like, I think he did, like, two extra points or something like that. Everything else was just kickoffs. So,
2: But you can't have a roster spot of a guy that just does kickoffs. That's the problem. Yeah.
1: Right. We're talking about using, you know, starters on special teams or using roster spots for full-time special teamers. And they already had, you know, a couple of problems – in terms of being able to have guys on game day with their 53-man roster and their their 46-man game day uh, roster just because of how many spots they were using for, like, quote-unquote, like, developmental players, right? Yeah. And you figure with without free agency, with basically two years of all-new additions or either, you know, practice squad pickups, post-June 1 free agency signings and draft picks. You're going to need some developmental spots, so there's just no way that they're going to be able to do that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, Paul, dropped a <laughs> dropped another song on Acme oh. Packing Company called "Aaron Rodgers Instagram" to the tune of "White Woman's Instagram" by Bo Burnham. It's amazing. I mean, it made me laugh out loud. I was in a union meeting earlier. I, I had to uh, mute myself because I was like, I'm cackling too loud. I just like I was playing it on mute, but he had like the words. And I was like, Oh my goodness. All right. I, I got to take a listen to this and then stepped out, listened to it for a little bit. And was like, this is absolutely worth it. Paul, Paul might be our best asset at APC. Oh, honestly. Yeah.
3: He's
1: the, he's the
2: wild card in a way, or like the flex because he can do some like really high quality, like statistical analysis, and then he can dub over songs and make his own. And he's done a lot of those and they've been pretty good. This one far and away, like absolutely just crushed everything else. I was just cooking dinner and I was out loud laughing, like, crouched over my counter, just, like, could not focus. I actually forgot to set the timer on my chicken because I was laughing so hard.
1: It was, like, the two-minute mark is really when it started setting again for me. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to go click on that, it's called Aaron Rodgers Instagram on APC. Uh, very much uh, suggest you guys to, to go listen to it at least once. I have now, now – Let's now we're in the hashtag draft talk. I have now seen – 10 wide receivers that I feel pretty good about in terms of evaluation. Um we talked about the wide receivers a little bit uh last episode. I know we spent probably too much time on the quarterbacks. So that's on me. Um but I have seen these guys the way that I would tier them starting off Traylon Bricks from Arkansas, Jamison Williams from Alabama, Chris Olave from Ohio State, Justin Ross from Clemson. That's tier 1 of, of talent to me. Then it's Drake London from USC, Garrett Wilson Ohio State. Tier, George Pickens, Georgia, John Mechie from Alabama, Romeo Dobbs from uh, Nevada, Tier, and then Christian Watson. And I haven't seen everyone. So, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the consensus board right now. Guys, I haven't seen Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I know he's a smaller guy. David Bell, I feel pretty good about uh, my evaluation of him, but I just haven't really put pen to paper there, I guess. Uh, Wendell Robinson from Kentucky, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, Khalil Shaker from Boise State and Alex Pierce uh, from Cincinnati. I've seen him in passing because I've watched Desmond Ritter. But just talking about that top tier, we, we talked about Burks, you know, a pretty good amount last episode. He's a do-it-all guy, right? He plays the wing. He plays a slot. He's in the backfield. He doesn't really play that many reps outside, but when he does get reps outside, I mean, he's able to beat guys deep and vertical. He's a guy that, like, he legit might run like a 4-3 something um, at 225 at, at the combine, you know, put up freak numbers and just shoot up everyone's bored um, i think the hand size is
2: going to freak people out too because i've heard those stories about I, his gloves. yeah i saw the yeah. things
1: after you told me about the custom gloves and they're like yeah he has to wear a 5xl glove and i'm like i that doesn't even make sense to me so yeah, yeah i mean he's going to be a guy i think everyone ends up loving i think everyone's going to have him as like a top at very least 15 pick my next guy jamison williams from alabama he's not really a packers type of guy and what i mean by that is like basically every wide receiver on the roster is 210 and above in terms of weight like they very much value being able to block on the perimeter because so much of the offense is going to run through Devonte adams um and it's completely understandable like if you have oh yeah let's say you have Jamison williams on your team he's a smaller he's he's kind of like deshaun jackson Is probably the best way to explain him i know people will probably say Tyreek uh, Hill or something like no, that. No, I like
2: that comp. That makes a lot of sense. Cause you know, he, he's not the stock. Also, you know, people forget that Tyreek Hill is kind
1: of built. Like he's thick yeah. for being tiny. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so if you have like a Jameson who's, you know, a deep ball, like real home run hitter, like elite, elite, elite speed opposite of Devonte Adams, that means you only have one guy that you can really play around, you know, with, with those games that green Bay likes to do. And they do it plenty where, you know, they, they'll motion down Alan Lazard, they'll motion down MVS, they'll motion down even Amari um, Rogers sometimes and, and use them as like an extra tight end where they come out in 11 personnel with three wide receivers and one tight end. Defense comes out nickel and then they motion down the wide receiver and now their nickel corner is having to play Sam linebacker. And it's like, well, we can figure out a way how to get Mercedes Lewis onto that guy it's like that that corner is never winning that block right so like being able to do that is a big thing for their scheme and the way that they see football and we've seen it for three years now and we've seen it in the wide receiver talent acquisition phase both in you know free agency and the draft and you know picking up guys from practice squads like Jawan winfrey right even he's a, a bigger guy um they didn't seem to like randall cobb i would assume that that's one of the reasons why they talked about uh when Odell Beckham Jr. was in the mix in Green Bay right they were saying you're probably just like a third down guy for us and that that was part of the pitch well you could play every down with the Los Angeles Rams because they're a gun progression team that's not who the Packers are so of course they would look at him as like a a third down only because what are you going to do motion down Odell Beckham Jr. to to block for for A.J. Dillon you know in the run game no are you going to use him to block for Devontae Adams in the screen game no so he's not like an every down player. I think Jamison Williams kind of is in that mold in that like he's a deep threat. He would be really fun in Green Bay. It would change their offense dramatically if he came in through the door. He's a guy I think other teams are going to value more than the Packers. Yeah, I, even on the notes when I'm looking through them after I watched him, like, you know, it's one thing
2: if you like have the effort there as a blocker, right? He doesn't have that. He gets bullied at the point of attack when he's blocking. Well, they don't, they don't
1: run block at Bama. They run routes, <laughs> yeah. RPO. So, like, why would he block anyone when when his option is I'm I'm running the slant,
2: right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, you can say like, oh, he could replace MVS, but I think people forget that you know Lazard gets all the credit for blocking. You know, MVS can get dirty every now and then. So, uh, if you're trying to replace MVS with this guy, yeah, you're like you said, you're going to lose the blocking
1: component for sure, which makes things a little bit trickier. My third guy, Chris Olave from Ohio State smooth he is so that's the first word that comes out of my mouth it's it's funny watching him and Garrett Wilson they're both you know highly regarded uh wide receivers in this class some people have Garrett Wilson as their wide receiver one um which I was kind of surprised by I think that's probably a youth thing like I know like one of the talking points now is like Traylon Burks why is he a year older than than people in his draft class even though he's like a true junior or whatever and I'm like Doesn't matter, like how many
2: you're still gonna have them the same amount of years on his rookie deal, so yeah,
1: age is one of the most over. Aaron Rodgers is 35. I am like begging him to come back, not 35, he's got to be like 38 at this point. I think he's 38. I got to be begging, I'm begging for Aaron Rodgers to come back, and age doesn't it it just doesn't matter that much. I'm sorry, talent matters more than age. Um, Chris Olave, very smooth, he reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley, and again, I don't think that he's a Packers type of guy, Mm -hmm. Ohio State. Is another one of those offenses where, like, the wide receivers are there to cash balls, like, they're not there to block, they're not there to um move around and, and motion down to the line of scrimmage and and help chip on like you know pin and pulls, outside runs, stuff like that. Chris Olave is there to receive passes, he is very good at that. I think he's going to be valued in other places more than Green Bay, but he certainly has his talent. Um, again, I, I really think that he's a Calvin Ridley type of guy. That's the comparison that stuck with me immediately watching his film and i actually went back to watch some of ridley's stuff and i was like yep they moved the exact same like that's the same guy
2: i had written down somewhere i don't think i wrote down here but i saw a little bit of doug bald just like that's a guy i always thought of as smooth so mm-hmm. um it was just a guy example i had but yeah it's really an easy it's an easy evaluation as so as you just say it's smooth i think people can kind of visualize that um it's weird a lot of times because it is i think it is a pretty top heavy wide receiver class he just seems to get overlooked a lot maybe it's because wilson is there maybe just because you know they've got guys i think people just
1: well. got like bored with him too because they're there's, just there's like,
2: nothing wrong with boring if you're open
1: yeah it, it well he came back for a senior year
2: right and
1: He's, he's for the record. He's, he's, I don't
2: think he should have because his 2020 tape compared to his 2019, like you saw a huge step forward, especially like explosiveness off the line and things like that. So, like, I think he could have been a first or early second round pick had he gone pro a year early.
1: He was a guy that I think he's just had three years of production and people are just tired of talking about him and they want the new shiny thing, but he's still that guy. I, I hate to break it to you guys. I watched, um, I guess we'll talk about Wilson here, too the way they break out of routes is so different. Like Wilson is so choppy and unbalanced coming out of stuff. And I even, I tell I'm, I'm buddies with the uh, NCAA track coach. Um, and he was telling me like, it looks like either a strength or balance issue, the, the way that he's end up breaking out of routes. So like Wilson and Olave, you can watch them run the exact same like stutter fade on the outside sideline, right. Where, you know, you're just running straight vertical, you're trying to make the, the corner think that you're running a curl, and then you try to run right by him. And every time that they run mirrored routes, you can see Olave, you know, at, at once he – before he stops, one of the receivers stop uh, running and they see the ball being thrown to the other guy. Olave is five yards deeper downfield every single time. And Wilson's the guy who's being tabbed as potential number one wide receiver in the class, high upside, all this stuff. And I do think that his upside is probably a tick, Higher if he can clean up a lot of the things that you know just breaking out of routes really is, is the big one.
0: But yeah, like Alave a movement so efficiency. Far ahead,
1: yeah. But Olave is so far ahead yeah. right now that it's like it's not, it's not worth it. Like maybe maybe there's a difference, you know, eight years down the line, but four years down the line, absolutely not. And especially when we're talking about the Packers window, right? You should be talking about, you know, the next couple seasons. So I have Olave as my third wide receiver. I should also mention. Jamison Williams is coming off of that ACL tear um, that he had down in in Indianapolis. A lot of these wide receivers are banged up. Um, He has that. Justin Ross has the neck issue. He's my next wide receiver. uh, Wide receiver. Yeah, we should
2: talk about Ross because you know you're much higher on him than a lot of people, and the neck injury is probably why I don't have him as high as you know. Obviously, you do. Uh, Cause I can't ever see that, but I want you to have the floor on Ross because I, you know, you said day one on him and I was like, Whoa, okay. Let's talk about
1: this. He is twitched up, man. Yep. Like he is going to win off the line against anyone. Um, they didn't get a lot yep. of press, man. They're at Clemson. They, they run limited routes. Um, so I don't think he's going to be like necessarily like a route savvy guy coming in, but we've seen that over and over with Clemson guys. And then them being able, being able to learn it just because it's not what's asked of them. I mean, Clemson's passing game, really is like very hairy high school right it's a lot of boots um vertical shots Ross is going to be a great vertical shot guy you know day one um and I think that's where he makes his bread and butter he is a bigger guy he he does crack that threshold of like I'm over 200 um it'll be interesting to see how the medicals check out I mean that's something that we're probably gonna it, it's gonna get leaked you know probably you know a week after the combine we're gonna hear like 28 teams think that his medical is totally fine. Or 28 teams think, you know, it's real bad. We're we're gonna see. the The big thing for Ross is he had early production at Clemson, looked like he was gonna be an all star. Right? People were like, "Holy crap, this guy has the potential to be," you know, a little bit shorter version of like Julio Jones. Did he he, he made this-
2: some insane catch in the playoff as a true freshman that I vividly remember. I was like, that was one of the most athletic damn things I've ever seen a wide receiver do. Um, and then, yeah, after the injury,
1: just kind of went away. But, yeah, absolute production early on. So he has that. Then he has a neck injury, so he's out. Then he has DJ Uyungalile throwing him the ball. And it is frustrating. I mean, you can watch that Clemson offense. They probably have five, six guys uh, just in terms of the pass catchers who are probably going to get looks at the NFL level. Their quarterback situation is just bad. So he, he, he's in this weird spot where I understand – why he would be ranked lower for people but if you're like watching the all 22 and seeing him get off a of press and just be able to burn guys vertically it's it's not like he has questions with his hands or anything like that as long as his medical is clear he, sh- he should be thought of as you know a top five you know wide receiver talent in, in this class I saw uh nfl.com Lance Airline, who's you know one of my buddies so I'm not trying to call out Lance he just he put his name on it so I'm going to talk about it but um, he had Ross as like wide receiver 17 or something. in the oh wow, class. And I was Ooh. like, that's way too low, entirely yeah. too low. Like if, if that guy's neck functions, like clear, like he, he should be a high draft pick. It's um, six,
2: It's six, four, 200 pound receiver with deep speed. I mean, like, I don't know how you don't immediately fall in love with that. Just hearing that he's a guy where I think he's going to shoot up draft boards, just off measurables. As long as the medicals cheer it clear out, because you're going to see that size and you're gonna see that 40 time. You're gonna see that length thing. Like, all right, sign me up for that
1: yeah and i think all these guys are running four fours um Jamison might run like a four two once he once he's healthy but i was gonna say i was like i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's gonna run no he's not he's not running he's not running but i i think all these guys are fast the next guy drake london from usc and we talked about him a little bit he is kind of like the alan lazard type of guy in this draft class and he's a little bit better than lazard is um he certainly isn't mike evans from what i saw though like I do think the speed limitations do probably matter. And the fact that he was like the guy at USC uh, gravitate, like the gravity of coverage went to him. Right. So that's going to open up at the NFL level. But I think when you're talking about a guy who's going to be a first round pick, probably right. You want that guy to be a tick faster because if he can't win with speed, you start having a little bit of issues once they rotate coverage. That's my big question for him. I also don't think he's going to run. At the combine again, we're talking about how banged up all these wide receivers are. Basically, I oh, hit the, the or whatever. Yeah, yeah, London had the ankle that ended his season, I think, in October. I'd be shocked if he ran at the combine. He's yeah. probably not going to do anything until his pro day. So,
2: I uh, yeah, London's one of those interesting ones because I think we talked about it last time. Like, I refuse to, tr- like I get fall in love with a big bodied jump ball receiver every year. Um, but I think the thing that's like the real differentiator between him and a lot of these guys that everyone's drawn to every year, it's his contact balance after the catch. Like there are some oh, plays yeah. where he has no business. He has no business. Dude, he's catching yards.
1: a bad screen two yeah. yards behind the line of scrimmage. The ball is inaccurate and the wide receiver doesn't block for him. And then he's <laughs> yeah he'll still break two tackles and get you four yards and you're like, okay. And then he'll do this. He'll do the Lazard stuff where he motions down into the line of scrimmage and he just digs out a linebacker and stuff. So like, that's his game. I understand it. I I value it a lot, but I think at the end of the day, like even at USC, I think he's going to run like a four or five, six. Like, and I think people are going to overreact to that. And then that's when Drake London starts to fall down draft boards I'm just going to go with the assumption that that's what he's going to run on, on the front end, you know?
2: Hey, I'll tell you what, if like any of these top edges aren't available, assuming they let Preston Z go, bring me Drake London. Uh, you know, you're talking yeah. about your concerns are like they move coverage, you know, that's going to be Devante's job. So you got Drake London and they're doing some dirty work, you know, getting him in line uh, and then having Rogers throw jump balls to him, like sign me all
1: the way up for that. I think the London thing, if, if they turn in the pick for London, you don't have to look at a Lazard extension anymore. Nope. So now you got two of them, and you could basically not play with a tight end in 2022. Oh, snap. I didn't even guys. think about that. You know? Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, so you have, you have Lazard London out there. I mean, you could be in 10 personnel or, or 20 personnel and, and still be in, in like a two 12, 22, center. yeah. Yeah, so that, that would be nasty. Uh, Garrett Wilson, we already talked about him a little bit. Do you have any other notes on him? He would be my sixth wide receiver graded right now.
2: I think the way you described it is great. Like, I think if you, if he can get someone like that's a good enough coach to like have him buy into like movement efficiency or something like that, get like a biomechanist to talk to this guy. Like if you were more efficient with your movement, like we can see the athleticism, but if you can actually work on that movement, like being effective for you, that's where I see the upside. I think that's why a lot of people are high on him. Um, but yeah, I get it. Like, you know, the more I watch him, it is, it's choppy. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah. and who knows if maybe we're thinking maybe a little extra critical because Olave is on the other side of the field and just does everything so effortlessly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ohio State, man, it's just unfair. Like stop having so many good wide receivers. It's, it's really you, Jameson Jamison
1: right. Williams, uh, yeah, uh, Alabama's wide guy. receiver was an Ohio state guy. They have two more uh, coming up that are probably draft eligible. I-, I think they're draft eligible next year that are going to be. Yeah. Increased. I think
2: everyone's saying that Smith and Jigba is the expected top wide receiver, at least at the moment, obviously this stuff will change in a year.
1: All right, you've seen all these guys. This is a hot take that I've heard a lot of times, is Smith Njigba is the best wide receiver at Ohio State. He's, he's number 11. It's Olave. And, and, and that's where I keep going back to, like, people are getting well, – the hot takes, though. Yeah, but people are like, he's, he's the best one. And I'm like, no, it's, it's Olave. It's the guy who's done it for three years. Like, he's the all-star. And he's getting coverage rotated to him, and he's still getting his. Like, he's that guy. Sorry.
2: He is that guy, pal. He is that guy.
1: Yeah, I, I love him. I just, I don't think he's going to be a Packer, so I'm just hoping he ends up in the AFC. You know, Olave, Jameson, go I'm have just, fun in the AFC. Catch let's the be honest, like, man. Uh, Lamar or something.
2: This, this wide receiver class is so low to the top. I'm just hoping we can talk about
1: any of these guys in Packers jerseys, even if they don't get a first-round pick, hopefully a second. Right. And then here, here's when I have, like, the strong cutoff day two guys that I would pick. George Pickens, who obviously didn't play very much this past year for Georgia, um, had to watch some of his uh, t- uh, 2020 film and stuff. He was a guy, he's a he's a freaking bully. And he I is a guy who that has, about him. has the size to be a Green Bay type of wide receiver. Um, I thought there was going to be more speed there. And I thought he was going to be a little bit more refined. And he wasn't, which is totally fine. I mean, Wilson and Pickens are the last two guys that I think like, I see the upside for but like they're not necessarily like there yet like I think they're probably going to be wide receiver three like the first two years of their NFL career and then they're probably going to take big steps if they can you know find a solid quarterback find a solid wide receivers coach work on the craft all that stuff um but he also obviously has the injury concern of like barely playing this past season so there's another star wide receiver who's been banged up a little.
2: It's kind of amazing that he played it all, honestly, because I think he tore his ACL, I heard that, spring practice, and then came back yes. to play, which is honestly amazing. And like, he caught,
1: like, one deep ball, like, each playoff game, and then that was like, that was it. And honestly, that one,
2: that one in the national championship, too, was like, you know, George's offense could not get going at all until that mm-hmm. play happened. So he's my, thing, my favorite note I wrote about him, he is an instant slash Like, that is part of his game. And, uh, you know, if you need a guy on your team that wants to fill that role, I don't – could you say the Packers have anyone like that on offense? Not entirely sure. And do you want a guy – like, actually, personally, would you want a guy like that on your
1: offense? I would like it. I mean, he's a bully. Like, get him and Devontae out there and just let them bully guys. Like, yeah. the other other thing about Pickens, too, is they run screens to him. Um, Yeah. So, he's a guy who's going to, like, you know, put his shoulder down and and get some extra yards. So, you could play around games like that. Like, I know – a lot of times, right? Like you hear the defensive coordinators talk about, like where Devonte is in the formation. Like if he's off the line of scrimmage, you know, there's a screen threat there. Well, now if you have two screen threats on the same side, you can't be playing like, you know, we have to be alerted to screen if X. Now it's yeah. we have to be alerted to screen. Period. Right. So if you get a guy like that next to Devonte, I'd I'd like to see it because now we could do a lot of stuff where. We've really only had one of those guys because it's very rare to see a big wide receiver who can also handle screen game, which yep. we see with Devontae. But I don't think you would describe MVS as that. I don't think you'd describe Alan Lazard as that. No. Um, so if you can get a guy like Pickens who can also do that, that just brings another dimension to the offense where it's like now we can have screens on both sides of the line of scrimmage when we're running one run plays. Right. It doesn't just have to be backside to to Devonte,
2: yeah and i don't think i have any notes written about his run blocking so you know i don't think obviously if that's not the case i didn't watch it he he's is a bully. good well he, i was gonna say
1: georgia tech one he pushes the guy into the well, sideline drives the, him yeah. into the bench and like takes off his helmet he sprayed water i think at, at a michigan guy after after he was down on the ground on the sideline like this dude is certified bully certified bully
2: i could see lafleur buying himself or talking himself into that like get me this guy
1: yeah The big thing again with him is just going to be medicals because we haven't seen him play, you know, a full full year in what 20 months or something like that. Uh, Next guy on my list, John Mechie from Alabama. He's also banged up (laughs) at home. Um, He is just fine to me. Like he is the wide receiver three. He's going to be good for a contract. I bet he puts up enough production where he ends up getting like a Sterling Shepard type of deal with someone else um on his second deal but i don't see a game breaker there
2: yeah uh, the the thing that stands out immediately for me like i do think he's a pretty damn good route runner um but other than that there's not a lot. like you know it's a pretty thin frame um yeah he lacks top end speed um the other thing i noticed he's
1: not that fast he's not slow he's he's not slow but he's not fast yeah he's gonna run like low four fives i would say like four five two four five three Something like that.
2: I also don't love his hands in traffic. And I think that that's something I I like to see in a guy. So outside of the route running, there wasn't a lot I loved. So I have a three grade on him, but it's early day three. Um, ACL does not help on that either. Like you, you can find a role for him. He can be a, you know, a third or fourth receiver, in my opinion, and like be productive. I'm not saying he's not gonna be a productive NFL player. It's just, I don't think there's
1: any physical traits on there that just really stand. And to talk about a guy who's not on my board yet, just because I haven't, again, haven't seen him fully. I think that's where David Bell starts coming to play at Purdue, right? Where he is a thicker wide receiver. He's a type of body that the Packers are going to like. He run blocks. He plays in the slot. He does a lot of high point stuff. He's kind of like a longer, stronger, more consistent, like his hands are more consistent version of John Mechie, if that makes any sense. So I, I would anticipate Bill being over Mechie whenever you know I, I do get him on my board, whenever I do end up watching Purdue uh, you know, in the coming weeks. The last guy for day two for me, Romeo Dobbs from Nevada, he he is fun. He is a vertical threat. That is basically all he is right now. He takes a lot of plays, like he would just watch watch the ball on run plays. Like that, that is kind of how Nevada's offense is built. We already talked about Carson Strong. It's very air-raidy, um, like to the T air-raid, like, like almost a meme of like what you think of that offense. I think there's room for growth there, and I think that's why you put him in day two. I think he's a tick faster than, you know, Mechie and Pickens. Um, he is further away than a guy like Garrett Wilson. But if you miss out on, like, the Garrett Wilson sweepstakes and you're still looking for, you know, a speed wide receiver on day two, I think Dobbs is the guy to look at
2: truthfully, I haven't had a ton of time to watch him. You brought him up maybe, you know, maybe right after you watched him like last week. So I figured I'd turn on some tape. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me, I do like his contested catchability unlike Mechie. So that's something, you know, I wanted to see uh, at least deep downfield. Um, unfortunately, like I said, don't have a ton on him. I've got some more on these other guys that you haven't watched, but you know, I can talk a little bit about
1: them after we get uh, through your list. Yeah. And then the last guy I've seen, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. I watched his highlights first, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this dude, <laughs> this dude must be a beast, right? Uh, ended up watching three FCS games of him playing like Towson and like Albany and stuff like that earlier on in the year. Um, thought I was going to like him more than I ended up like, actually liking him. I, I know some of the senior bowl clips are going around and stuff too. Um, I, I really do think that like practices when guys aren't fully padded, is a whole different situation than like in game uh, performance, I guess is the way to, to say it. Like it's, it's not a simulation of like game situations, I guess. Yeah. Um, Watson is a guy that actually reminds me a lot of uh, what's the name? Uh, David Moore. Like he's a little bit longer version of like David Moore. Um, when, when David Moore was playing in that uh, Seattle Seahawks offense, I'm not talking about him as a return man um, where he's just kind of like a vertical guy. He's a bigger body. And you're like, wow, this guy should be better than he is. But he, he, just, <laughs> he isn't really refined in yeah. any sort of way. Like, he's just kind of high-weight speed. That's just kind of who he is. So I have him, like, borderline day two, day three. And that was the last guy that I've seen in this track class.
2: Uh, he's one of those guys where you can tell the people that just watch the YouTube highlights, right? Like, you're like, wow, look how incredible. His YouTube highlights are, like, hey, are great. Yeah. I, I will say, yeah.
1: the first time you see him take that end around for, like, a 55-yard touchdown, you're like, this dude's going to yeah. be Debo.
2: I think he does a lot of things well. Like, you know, I think he's solid in a lot of categories that you want out of a wide receiver. I do think his feet, you know, aren't as fast I'd like to see. I don't think he's as explosive as you'd like to see. But I think it looks better on tapes because he's playing against significantly inferior competition. Oh, for um, sure. He
1: just wants by guys.
2: Yeah. That being said, like, you know, he's got the physical traits for it. So, like, I think he can be a solid player. He's probably not someone you want to be your one, but he is a physical wide receiver that I think could be pretty solid.
1: I think he's a guy borderline wide receiver three, four early on. Like we're talking rookie year and then he's going to contribute on teams. Like that, that's what he's going to do. And then that's not um, bad. Yeah. Just to mention again, Dobbs and Watson are both, uh, you know, Packers frame type of wide receivers. Um, Let's take it to break and then we'll come back. You tell me about some of these guys I haven't seen and uh, talk about the tight end class a little bit. I've seen a couple, but not too many.
3: Yeah. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we're back. All right, so we'll talk about the wide receivers I haven't seen. These are still guys I got to go through. Um, We'll knock David Bell off the list early on. Do you have any objections to what I said? He's basically you know, a longer, stronger, more consistent version of, of Mechie.
2: No, I like him. I may not like have him ranked numerically as like uh, in the top 50, but I have a top 50 grade on him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a nice real, he's got a really nice route tree. I think he creates separation really well. Uh, another nice guy with the ball in his hands. Um, something about Purdue. I got to say nice things about two Purdue players in uh, consecutive weeks. So I really wear IU gear as we're talking about this. Um, I really like David Bell. Um, he's not going to be I, Rondale Moore. I thought was going to be the second coming before he had injury problems. So, uh, I don't think he's on level for me personally. Um, but he definitely absolutely has the size to play in the NFL, unlike Rondale Moore,
1: right? So, such different wide receivers, too. I, I think, though,
2: it's while they were both on the same team in Lafayette, Indiana, makes no sense to me.
1: No, no reason why that needed to happen, but um, I guess like if the injury risk guys are gone, right? Like Ross and Pickens are gone. It's round two. Burks, Williams, Olave, London, Wilson already went. That's when David Bell in the second round really starts to make sense, right? Like if they have to add a wide receiver, MVS walked out of the building. You're unsure if maybe Juwan Winfrey might be your third wide receiver coming into this. I mean, we gotta remember Winfrey played more snaps on offense than Amari Rogers did. Equinamia St. Brown is about to be a free agent. MVS is about to be a free agent. Devontae is probably going to get tagged based off of, you know, the conversations that they're having in public right now. If the, the difference is like, all right, do we take David Bell in round two or do we have Jawan Winfrey start for, for 17 games? I, I think that's when you turn in the pick form, right?
2: I think the question is does he make it to the Packers second round pick if they don't take him in the first which I wouldn't take him in the first I do have a day two pick on that's way too
1: high for me yeah
2: yeah exactly Uh, and the other thing I'm hearing from all my Bears friends and people I follow that follow the Bears like everyone in Chicago is in love with this guy so I do imagine that you know he is potentially their pick in the second round Uh, at least it strongly feels like
1: that to you um, I don't need that yeah I know Bad vibes. Uh Jahan Dotson. I think we talked about him a little bit last week, but he's a smaller guy. He can fly, right? From Penn State.
2: Yeah, I finally figured out a comp for him, and it just made sense as soon as I heard it. Emmanuel Sanders, a little bit undersized, you know, plays well deep, plays, you know, great body control and catch outside of his frame. When I put all that together and then I think of Emmanuel Sanders, that, that just
1: seems like the easiest comp. It's always so funny because like the guys in that role in this offense always do so like. Even Emmanuel Sanders in San Francisco, right? Or Godwin when when uh, he was going off there. Like, those guys look so good. And then the teams just let them walk. The Rams, when they have Brandon Cooks, um, now with OBJ, like, they, they always have them there, but then it's, like, a short-term thing because they're like, ah, but we would really want just, like, a bigger version of you. So we'll, we'll just, like, <laughs> trade you yeah. for equal value. You know? It's very weird. So. I can see the. Yeah, because it stinks. It
2: stinks for those guys because they produce.
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: like Brandon weird. Cook's career is falling apart in Houston,
1: and that guy's been consistently good his entire career. He's the only guy who's going to get traded five times for first round picks. It's amazing. Like, he's going to have five first round picks spent on him over his career, including, you know, the, the original drafting of him. It's nuts. It doesn't make sense. Um, Wendell Robinson, legit have not seen them. I know Kentucky runs basically the Rams old offense, like Rams golf offense. Um, Their offense coordinator just got hired by the Rams after being an assistant with them. Do you have any thoughts on him?
2: He's just a playmaker man. Like, you know, explosive there's, he can set you up with his speed. And then like, once he gets the ball in his hands, he can just burn past you. Um, I see a little T. Y. Hilton in him, just because again, it's an undersized guy. He's listed at five eleven. I think he's smaller. I think he's closer to five nine. Just when I watch him, uh, okay, but he's not a guy. Like, guy he,
1: then no, <laughs> he's not a Packers off the guy. He plays
2: tough. He's explosive. We can just move on because he's not a Packers guy.
1: Uh, Jalen Tolbert. I've seen a lot of hype around this guy. I have yeah, not watched
2: from South night, Alabama. Thing. So I watched him for the first time last night, and I pinged you. I was like, I think you need to check this guy out. Uh, everyone's like, he turns 23 in like four days. I think his birthday is the end of the month. And I was like, yeah, small school guy. You know, I heard that, like it was like the Mobile mobile invite. So I think South Alabama is in Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude's got some wheels. Uh, you know, a pretty solid rat runner. You know, great deep ball guy. I think he was one of the – I think PFF uh, tracked that he had more – he was one of the top guys in far as deep yards, like, earned. So I mm. thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, He's got juice. Uh, he played against Tennessee, and I think he played really well. Um, yeah, I, I just want you to watch him. We'll come back next time we do draft talk. I want to hear your thoughts on him. We can talk a little bit more in depth. But he's a guy, you know, in that third or fourth round where, like, if they're looking for a wide receiver, still haven't picked one up. And I heard Jalen Tolbert's name get called. I'd get pretty excited.
1: Awesome. I'll add him to the list. I'll watch him for sure. I, I need to watch Dotson just because he's going to be, you know, a high draft pick. Uh, so I'll watch both of those before we get back to, to each other. Um, Khalil Shakir from uh, Boise State. He's actually – get this. He's my he's my brother's buddy. I haven't watched him. I have not watched him. Boise <laughs> hasn't given me a reason to watch
2: him. have yeah, a personal I, connection to the guy? I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to yeah, watch him.
1: my, my brother's a, a Boise State grad. He, what was it? Pandemic time, so I, I can't even tell. It was either – last year or the year before my brother graduated from BSU. So um, he's still tight with uh, Khalil, but haven't watched the guy. I know uh, Nate uh, Tice likes him a good amount. Nate is the guy I kind of am going through on suggestions of like, should I even watch? I mean, understandable. Nate knows his stuff. So it makes sense. Hashtag Nate knows ball. Um, But yeah, tell tell me a little bit about Khalil.
2: I haven't watched him either.
1: (laughs) There we go. No reason to watch Boise. They're not giving us reasons. Uh, Alex Pierce is the last wide receiver on the – consensus top 100 that i found online uh he played at cincinnati i've watched him a little bit he's a guy he's gonna run four fives i would say mid four fives maybe even late four fives he's a bigger body guy though his big thing is just like acrobatic catches i understand the hype on him but the fact that he can't really generate separation worries me um he is kind of like the packers type of guy if you're looking like high weight speed you know strength run blocking but like he might be less dynamic than like alan lazard so i don't know how happy i am about turning in a draft pick for him honestly
2: he can't create separation i, I think he's a white guy now with the mike mcdaniel thing i don't want to assume anyone's white okay so i just <laughs> right out of the gate but i just see you know this guy that can't create separation jump ball i just immediately thought oh that's chad Hanson. like out of Cal back in
3: the Nate, day
1: Nate was tell- Nate is higher on him than I am um just off of watching what he did at uh with Ritter he compared him to like Eric Decker and I was like Decker could separate more than than Pierce yeah, can this guy. I, I don't Pierce is very much like I'm I'm not even having a conversation about him until day three like do not do not bring his name up in the third round like we are not taking yeah. this guy there's someone better on the pool.
2: I I liked Shed Hanson, but he also played for the Jets. So I don't think your career is really going to take off over there.
1: Um, Talk to me about some of these tight ends. So to set the board, Mm -hmm. the top guys in this class from this consensus board, Trey McBride from Colorado State, Jalen Weidemeyer from Texas A&M, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State, and Kate Outen from uh, Washington. I've seen McBride Likely – and ruckert in passing we had the anonymous scout uh on on acme packing company you know we we asked him a couple questions about uh where, where he sees kind of just a couple of prospects uh one of them was i believe trey mcbride was brought up and he basically said like there if these tight ends were in last year's draft class none of them are breaking into the first you know three rounds basically and that's kind of how I see this draft class, frankly. Like, I know Trey McBride is getting some hype as a second-round guy because he can play some inline tight end. But, like, even against Mountain West defensive ends, I thought, like, his short arms really hurt him, and he wasn't nearly as good of a run blocker as people made him out to be. That Colorado State offense ran through him, like, literally. Um, They're a very bad football team that had a decent tight end. But I don't think McBride is starting games year one, do you?
2: This this whole tight end class is not very good. Like, there's some guys that, if, like, you want a thing that they can do and you need that thing on your like, – that role on your team, like, you can find a guy for that, but you're not going to find an all-around guy. Yeah, McBride, McBride's the guy that's catching a lot of passes that everyone's really excited about, right? Like, he was the weapon in the passing game. I think his technique as a run blocker is solid. I just don't think the play strength's there. And when you're – you're not pushing guys and around. People and, talk like, about said, him
1: like he's yeah. damn Rob Gronkowski. No. I don't get it. I, no. I don't I don't see him being that as a run blocker. I I don't think there's that big of a difference between him and like
2: I'm I'm uh, sorry. Like you said Jabara. they could come to Rob Gronkowski.
1: They're saying this dude blows guys off of the ball. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we're watching the same dude.
2: I must have watched completely different games or there was, a completely different. You player.
1: could watch uh who who was it? There was a it was like South Dakota State at the beginning of the year. They they played Colorado State because they made the mistake of uh, putting them on the schedule and South Dakota State I believe beat them but like you can watch South Dakota State's FCS guys who aren't really going to get looks at the NFL level beating him one-on-one blocks like yeah I don't I don't see him being any better as a blocky tight end than anyone else you know that were in this group in college football so I, I, I can't see not the like skills he's a as a pass guy either he's, he's not like a four no. six guy at tight end so like you're just drafting like a very average. T- he, he almost reminds me of like Sternberger where he's just, he's getting mm. such a high bump on his grade just because he already played in three point stance,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's some skill there as far as like body control and hands and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a guy. And it, it I want to talk about the guy I really like, if that's okay, which is, is Jalen. Yeah, I like this guy.
1: Talk to me about him because uh, I haven't seen him.
2: He he. So he played all over, and one of the things I noticed about him is like they relied on him as a blocker in a lot of situations. Like he was out in there in pass pro, despite being like an asset in the passing game as well. So when I see that, even if it's not always clean, like I think there's some value there. He's the guy where I think he can develop the most as a run blocker, just from like the physical standpoint. I mean, I'm trying to pull up his size right now. Yeah, I have him
1: me. listed at 6'5", 255.
2: Yeah, three, that's three a nice size.
1: Second, second team all uh, SEC. He was all SEC freshman team in 2019. So, I mean, he has some accolades. He has some bona fides. I've, I just yeah. haven't seen him. I haven't gotten around to him. So I, I legit have no thought.
2: When When you think about how big and strong he is, like you're surprised with how quick he is uh, and how well he moves in open space. So he is like relatively elusive with the ball in his hands too. So he's a guy when I just see him in this class of very mediocre tight ends, he's the guy I like the most. Cause you can just physically, you can tell that he is an NFL player and you can see some of the aggressiveness. You can see some of the playmaking. So I think he, as far as like the most well-rounded tight end that you could develop into something like, you know, I'm not saying he will automatically be special, but the guy that you could see becoming special. That's when I think of this guy. Although I think about like Worcester sauce, like how do you pronounce his name? Is it Weidermeyer? Is it Werdermeyer?
1: Like, I, I assume get, it's gets stuck in my head. But Okay. Maybe not. Um, and again, Jalen Worcester. Both of those tight ends are guys who can play Y, which is not what we could say about the third ranked guy. Um, we're, we're going off of the consensus board because I don't have them graded. Isaiah likely, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, you know, ran that basically like a spread triple option team um they certainly passed the hell out of the ball but like run game wise it still is triple likely is a guy who is a little a little light like he's more of like a Johnu smith move type of tight end than he is you know a guy who's going to put his hand in the dirt and you should know that you know coming in as a wide receiver he he is way better than than mcbride to me the big oh, yeah. question is like he's just probably not going to play on the ball very often like he's going to be a wing He's going to be split onto the slot. You're going to be playing games with him in the backfield, but there's just not very many times you're going to have him line up and, you know, he's in three point stance and you're like, Hey, go block Khalil Mack.
2: Yeah. So he may not be a great blocker in line, but when I do notice him actually win on blocks is when you're like moving him, like, you know, maybe you're running a split zone or you're running like something where he needs to get to the second level. Like he's actually surprisingly okay on those blocks even if he is a little undersized. So I think there is some value in him as a blocker. You just can't have him be the guy on like, you know, first and one at the goal line trying to move bodies.
1: Yeah. I, I like him more than McBride. I think he brings more to the table mm-hmm. than McBride does, honestly. Yep. And like, likely doesn't make sense in Green Bay, depending on if Tunyon does or doesn't come back. But if Tunyon does leave, like likely is like, start shooting up that board, right? Where it's like, all right, We can draft this guy now. He has a roster spot, and he he can do his, like, one thing pretty well. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, he was just kind of like an all-around guy. He has really steady hands from when I was watching. I I watched Ohio State because of uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Obviously, they played in the same offense. Um, They don't teach their tight ends anything. It's pretty clear that, (laughs) like, tight end is like an overthought position uh, or, or an underthought position at Ohio state, it seems like they use tight ends just because they need to fill out roster spots or something. It seems like none of those guys are getting very good coaching. Um, but one thing that you could say about Rutger is like, he's going to catch a ball knowing that like a hit is coming to the ribs and he's not an elite athlete, but he's not a bad athlete. I assume he's going to run like four sevens or something like that. Um, I'm sure his, you know, RAS is going to be like, at worst like a 6.5 or something it'll probably be less than you know a nine but it'll be pretty high just in terms of his overall athleticism the one thing that worries me is when he's off the ball and he's slicing like there's plenty of times that he does a pretty solid job as a blocker but then there's other times where like you could tell from step one he's like I am gonna tee off on this guy And then he misses by three yards and you're like, holy crap. Like how did (laughs) you do that against a backup end against Oregon? And you're like, you watch the next 10 plays and he does like really well, but it's like, anytime he has like that run up in space and it's like, Oh, I can like collision this guy and like make him into a highlight reel. He just blows it. It's, it's very weird to watch.
2: I at least appreciate that he wants to, I think there's not okay. enough tight ends that actually like want to do that, but yeah, maybe it's not always the cleanest. Maybe, like you said, maybe we can just chalk this up to coaching. Cause they just don't even like think about him as a coach. I will say this. If him and Weidermeyer are on the board at the same time and they take Ruckert, I'm going to be very sad. I just, there's, it, I, I can see the upside with Weidermeyer with Ruckert. I think I already see, even if you can coach it up, I just don't love it.
1: Yeah. Um, Kate Auden from Washington, have not seen him. Uh, watch Washington in season a little bit just because I'm in Pac 12 country. I can only assume he's a good run blocker because that's what Washington develops. Like they develop why wide receivers. And what, what's your, I guess, what's your thought on Rutger being that guy? I think Rutger is probably better as an offline guy, but like he can do the Y stuff. Like he's, he's not Deguara necessarily. Like he's closer to a Y than Deguara is, I would say.
2: Yeah, uh, the other guy I see talking about as why is um Ferguson of Wisconsin. Uh, so I think they are similar great, players. So like, as I like him, that, I like Jake Ferguson, yeah. honestly. Like the problem I'm is, the, he's just a little undersized.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty anti Wisconsin in general just because I feel like the overcorrection in Packers Twitter is just always swings Wisconsin. So I'm like trying to talk guys down, other than uh. My son, Vince Beagle, who, who didn't pan out.
2: I have a Vince Beagle. Hands above eyes, baby. Long Hands above
1: arm. eyes. So one, one of my Twitter followers actually uh, bought me a Vince Beagle jersey and sent it to me because he was in Madison, and they were, like, on clearance because they had made all these Vince Beagle jerseys, and he was no longer on the team. So they were selling them for, like, $5 a pop, and so, someone sent it to me. Um,
2: but I actually uh, I met him at Packer Palooza, and I literally brought up the long arm. And hands above eyes, so I thought you'd appreciate that. He really appreciated that someone noticed.
1: Ball talk, T- hashtag Tyler knows ball. Uh, so uh, what were you? We, what were you we talking about?
2: I'm rocker Sorry, Ruckert. I got about Ferguson and Ruckert.
1: Oh, Ferguson, that was the guy I wanted to talk about. I really like Ferguson. Like, I he has a yep. role in the NFL. Uh, I I know he isn't like super high up draft boards, but like that guy is a guy who produced for multiple years at Wisconsin. He could play as the Y. Understand he's not the biggest guy on earth, but like if you're asking me Ferguson or um Daphne, I'd rather I'd rather roster Ferguson. Like there, there's plenty of ways for him to make a roster. So I actually do like him. But but Kate Outon, um, the UW tight end. Tell me tell me. No about idea. That. Nothing. Uh- there we go. Hey, you gotta you got you gotta take it a little
2: easy on me because obviously you work the full time job for writing a book. Here's my book right. plugs, The Science of Football coming out fall of 2022. Uh, can't wait for that to come out. Um, so I literally just like when I'm tired and I don't want to play video games, I turn on some background music and I just watch these guys. So I'm at 101 players graded. So I'm sorry I haven't watched everyone. Uh, it's very hard you. with my schedule currently. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I forgive. I've heard things about Auden. Uh, just the only other guys I've watched really. Uh, I've watched uh, upside slash floor, Jimmy Graham, which is Jelani woods out of uh, Virginia. Mm. He's like six, seven. I think he's almost he's, six, he's seven. Massive. Yeah. He had eight touchdowns. Uh, this actually I think he had eight touchdowns of back-to-back seasons. I might be mixing him up with someone. I know he had eight touchdowns last year. Uh, he's the red zone guy, right? Like just a big yep. body uh, control. I'm surprised watching him cut on some of his routes because like he makes some pretty sharp ones with his size. But, uh, there's not much else i love i don't think he's a phenomenal blocker and maybe that's just because his pad level's too high but like it's it's not great um yeah i've
1: not watched Dotton though i'm sorry oh you don't you don't have to apologize to me for not watching <laughs> you they, they they stink anyway bow down um all right so next time we get together let's uh let's talk about uh edge rushers let's, let's plan to talk about edge rushers and then i'll watch uh dotson tolbert and weidermeyer We'll get my thoughts on cool. those guys since you've already seen him, seen them, and and you like them pretty well. So,
2: this this edge class is freaking awesome. I mean, I there watched, are even
1: guys that I think I was watching Ohio State against Penn State, and uh, seventeen kept popping off the screen for Penn State, and I was McKitty like, or whatever. Yeah, I Holy was like, shit. Yeah, I was in the group chat like, hey, is this a guy? And they're like, yeah, he might be a first round pick. And I was like, cool, because he looks like it. So yeah, I mean, these guys these guys are everywhere. I'm excited to finally kind of sink sink my teeth on the defensive side of the ball i just know everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks everyone wants to talk about wide receivers especially in green bay right now so i figured we, we touch those guys before we get to the defensive side but i'm happy to finally you know be able to sink my teeth in you know after i watch these couple couple guys
2: let me let me tease one guy for you that we'll talk about next week because i i can envision you wanting him in green and gold and that's jermaine johnson out of florida state
1: have not seen him have seen a lot of hype about him so yeah i think I'm, you'll I'm like him to I'm excited to peep him. He's the uh, the Georgia transfer,
2: right? Yep, yes. And you can tell that he played at Georgia.
1: Hell yeah. Let's go. Draft season, baby. Let's get it done. All these guys are going to oh, start running soon. We're going to get uh, the, the rumors of, hey, you know, the Packers met with X. Does not mean anything? No, no, but we'll still pay attention to it. We'll still pay attention to it. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I'll Take be care. there, so I'll Andrew make sure to see what uh...
2: Edge rushers, 100%. Can't wait.